Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Greetings, friends, and Happy New Year to you. I hope that all is going well. I hope that you had a great Christmas holiday and a New Year's celebration that you will remember and cherish. I hope that that whole season that was so full of excitement and anticipation uh, provided exactly what it's designed for, the sense of blessing and love and fellowship with those who are near and dear to us. It's not just about the presence. It's about the time. It's about the engagement. And I hope it was wonderful. And if it wasn't, well, maybe we can do something about that. We can find ways to make it good because what we wish for one another is a happy new year. Sometimes we think that that happy new year is to be provided to us like a blessing. We just pray that God gives it to you. And that would be fine if that's the way it happened. But that's not usually the way life works, is it? Happiness sometimes, probably more often than not, is generated from within. We build the happiness. We create the joy. We choose where our attention is going to be and how we're going to focus our lives. So when we talk about a happy new year for this year, it's in the midst of continuing political turmoil and continuing financial and economic uh, turmoil. We're still in the midst of a very rapidly spreading pandemic and uh, there's great anxiety and concern. Uh, we had that before Christmas came, and now we have it afterwards. But when we say Happy New Year, maybe that's an urgent plea that we make this new year happier than before. There are some of us who think that the coronavirus is going to be with us for a long time. It's not going to just go away. Now, it doesn't matter about political persuasions or opinions. It's a question about whether we're going to be suffering with disease. And if we are, like all the other diseases that are present in the world, what we have to learn is how to live with it, how to live in the midst of it, how to be responsible, how to take care of ourselves. But if it's not going to go away, then we can't afford to let our lives be shaped by the anxiety about it. And this is what's true for anybody. If you were to travel to a third world country uh, south of the hemisphere, very often what you need to do is to get shots, shots of different diseases to ward off or to protect you from getting sick from those longstanding diseases like malaria, things like that. So we learn how to do that because if we don't, then we would prevent ourselves from making those journeys. We wouldn't be able to make those trips or to have those adventures. So we do what we have to do. And that's true for everybody who's flying today. If you're going to be on an airplane, if you're going to go through an air terminal in the United States, you're going to have to wear a mask. And it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. That's just the rule. That's what we have to do. And they have made that a rule in order to try to combat the disease, to keep people safe, to help people to be well. So that's what we do. Now, not everybody's going to agree with me on that, of course. But I think that if you want to have peace in your life, if you want to have joy in your life, if you want to have a sense of well-being, and if you want a sense of contentment, then you're going to have to make some adjustments in the way that you think, in the way that you live. And I think this is what the message has always been at Christmas. This is what Jesus brings. 
It's a completely different way to see your life and to see the lives of others, how you see your place in the world and how you live your life that isn't always as peaches and cream as we might like it to be. It's difficult. It's challenging. But it is also rewarding. And it is blessed. And if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you see increasing expressions of that grace. And that brings more hope and more confidence. It brings more strength and builds us up. It helps us to live free in spite of limitations or challenges or struggles or hardships. And so, I think we can have a happy new year, and I think we can make it happy, and I think we should. But before we leave Christmas altogether, I thought it might be appropriate for us today to talk about a story that is pretty well known, but usually isn't given that much attention. And that's really one of the last stories of the Nativity. I called this message, (laughs) Blessed Are the Curious. You see, in Matthew chapter 2 of the Bible— we hear a story of wise men who came from the East to visit and to greet the the newborn child. Now, that is pretty shocking when you think about it. In those days, there were a lot of different world religions, as there is today, religions of all sorts from all different lands and all different cultures. And certainly, if these guys are coming from the East, that they would have been influenced by the religions that were prominent in the East. And so they were not necessarily following or or even concerned with the Jewish religion or any of that. They were living their lives based upon their philosophies. And I'm guessing that these wise men, at least in some part, were scientists too. And the reason we know that is because they observed a star, a brand new star, a star that had not appeared in the night before. And their philosophy and the world in which they lived seem to be about the idea that things that happened in the heavens had a direct bearing and influence on things that happened on earth. So when a new star appeared, this is a monumental event. This is something that does not happen. And so if it did occur, there's something very special about it. Now, what I'm guessing these guys did is they said, okay, is there anything that gives any indication of what this star would be about, why or what kind of event would be taking place that it would be marked by this star appearing. And I would think that they went to the libraries and found whatever records they could and whatever stories there were, whatever prophecies there were, and they happened to find one in the Jewish tradition, in the Israelite tradition, that was hundreds of years old. It said there would be a child born who would be the savior of the world. And this is what is said in this uh, Gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. They come into this foreign land, this uh, Israel, and they approach the king to get permission to go and to visit the child. And this is actually in verse 2. They come to Jerusalem and they ask, where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. Well, when the king heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired where the Messiah was to be born. Now, there's a couple of things that I think are very odd that we ought to pay attention to in this text. First of all, is the paying of homage. Now, I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, 
But there is a new series, a Star Wars-type series, that is on uh, oh one of the cable channels, one of the uh, extra fee things. I think it's on Disney. But what it's called is The Book of Boba Fett. Now, the illustration I want to make is that this character, this lead character called by the name Boba Fett, is going to take over a certain amount of territory and rule or leadership over that territory. And as he does so, all the rulers around, all the major figures, business and politics, they all sent representatives or they went themselves to greet him at his place where he was living. And uh, they all paid tribute. The tribute may have come by word or by the representative, or it came by a a treasure chest of some sort that had gold or coins in it. And uh, he found that what the people were doing then, as we do now, is they were giving homage. They were giving tribute. They were giving honor. They were making friends. And we do this in our lives. When you have a Christmas party or a New Year's party, usually you take a gift, a hostess gift, uh, or a contribution to the dinner or whatever. Uh, you see this between uh, national leaders. When they go to visit one another, they often will take gifts and give to uh, the ruler of the other uh, country. So it's a pretty common practice of paying homage and giving respect, giving friendship, trying to make friends. And that's what these wise men were doing. They were representing their country. It doesn't say that they were kings. It also doesn't say that there was only three. We get this idea of three kings or three wise men from the song, I think, (laughs) more more from the song than from the reality or from the scripture text. And why do I say that? Because they had to travel weeks, weeks and weeks on camelback across the desert and the wilderness to get there. And my guess is they had people to tend the animals, people who would go out to buy food. There would be a large caravan is what I envision. Many people making this journey led by the wise men. Since the scripture doesn't specify, I don't think it was just three. And it's hard to imagine a caravan or anybody traveling across the wilderness like that with just a couple of guys or a couple of people, as the case may be. Anyway, the next thing that's shocking is in verse three, when King Herod heard this and he was frightened and all Jerusalem, when it says that, he's talking about all the leadership around him. He, had, he was king, so he had all his uh, chosen leaders and, and uh, persons working for him in charge of the government. And when he hears that there's a child born who's going to be king of the Jews, it threatens his time on the throne. And so he's frightened about that. He doesn't want to lose being king. And it, it's kind of shocking because... As a Jew and as king of the Jews, you'd think he would know the prophecy of the Jews. You'd think he would know the faith that he was in charge of. You'd think that he would know the prophecy that has been cherished for generation after generation about the coming of a Messiah. But he didn't know anything about it. He had to ask these wise men where the prophecy said about where the child was to be. And the wise men said, in Bethlehem of Judea, because the prophet wrote, you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you, uh, From you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. The foreigners knew the religion and the faith and the prophecy better than the king of the country from which it came. I think that's kind of amazing. But I think it's somewhat true today. There's an awful lot of people that claim faith, but don't represent the faith. They don't know what the faith means 
They don't know uh, what they believe. They don't know the words of the prophecy or the guidance to live by. And so they become victims of the world just like anybody else. This is the shortcoming. This is a a weakness. uh, And it's not the best thing for our living. What I find is if people are driven by self-concern or by desire, they're never satisfied. No matter what they get, their whole life is based upon wanting rather than enjoying or celebrating what they have. So no matter what comes their way, they're always looking for the next thing that they want. And so that means they're never going to be happy. They're always going to be living in emptiness and dissatisfaction. That's not the place that we want to be. I think it's better to think about these wise men that out of their own tradition, seeing that star said, this is something significant, not just for the Jews, but for the entire world. Things that happen in heaven, like the appearance of a star, affects everything on earth, not just one small part of it. And so we're going to go and we're going to make friends and we're going to be at peace. And so they take their gifts. When they see the child, they are delighted. They are thrilled to see this new life in Bethlehem where it was prophesied. And they could see that this was going to be a very special person in the world. And so they give him gifts. In their treasure chest, they offered gold and frankincense and myrrh, which is maybe why we think there's only three. (laughs) Anyway, in this idea, they see the child and they rejoice with Mary, his mother, and they pay homage to the child and they give their gifts and then they go home. Now, what is that all about? It's about the fact that they were curious about what God might be doing in their midst. And they are curious about the fact that they get to see it in their own context. They're able to see it and recognize it according to their own philosophies. And out of that, they were amazed and curious. And so they traveled and it didn't matter how far they had to go or how much it was going to cost. They wanted to see the reality of it and they wanted to be a part of it after actually And it's probably true for us, too, that if God is going to be active in the world, we don't want to be left out of that. If God is going to be blessing, I'd like to get part of that blessing. I'd like to be connected to it and certainly not apart from it. And this is what I think is important for us today. It's not that we're going to see a star, but we celebrate the star every year. It's not that we're always going to get everything that we want at Christmas, but we do get gifts at Christmas. It's not that everything's going to go our way. Uh, It's not that everything is going to go the way we think or expect, because life isn't like that. But we can enjoy the holiday and all the abundance of it in spite of what we didn't get or what we might have been a little bit disappointed in. It's not about how difficult our circumstances are, the challenges that we have to face. It's about having a quality of life that appreciates and has hope. And they live by that hope. And this is the idea that we get from the wise men. Because they saw this sign, they spared no expense or effort to see it. And once they saw it, they were able to rejoice in it. They built their gift and the relationship, and then they were able to go home. But don't think that that was forgotten. They would be looking, and they would be looking forward, and they would be paying attention. Why? Because a child isn't going to do a whole lot with gold or frankincense or myrrh. (laughs) A child is not going to be leading. He's not coming in with some great power and sword. He's not coming with an army behind him. He's coming in a soft, quiet, gentle way. And it's going to take years 
for him to grow and develop before he ever enters into that position of leadership. So we watch and we wait, but we're looking forward with hope to good. And that means that we're going to be noticing more good than we ever saw before. We're going to be looking for better things in our lives and to appreciate them. Now, it may be on the basis of a hope that we'll see the Messiah, but we celebrate Christmas every year, don't we? Jew and Gentile alike, Christians and Arabs and everybody around the world, this is a season where we like to celebrate the renewal of life and the beginning of a new year. And we want to start that year with hope. Now, a lot of people can give that hope up and they can give up uh, their uh, anticipation, their excitement. They can take it for granted and just say, well, that was the holiday, but this is the real world. But what they do is they make themselves miserable by doing so. They really cut themselves off from any hope or any joy that is all around us. They do that because they have relegated the holiday to a certain event and a certain kind of thing that takes place rather than seeing that what we're actually celebrating is that God comes to be with us. And it's not just the Jews, it's all. God sent his son for all of us. You don't see that in religions, even between churches. A lot of competition exists uh, between all these different traditions and thoughts and beliefs and desires and small groups and fellowship and communities. But that's human. God's design was for everybody. And this story of the nativity and this story of the wise men, the story of the shepherds in the fields that were never considered insiders but are brought in of all the people in the world that get to see it, all we hear about is Mary and Joseph, the baby, of course, the shepherds, and the wise men. This is for everyone. And if you are able to live with a certain sense of hope, if you're willing to look for where God is blessing, where God is in your midst, where God is trying to invite or to encourage or to inspire or to help you to relax, to have a little peace, to be content, finding good things in your life and letting those things be more important than the bad things in your life. All of this is what we celebrate at Christmas. All of this is what we hope for as we wish one another a happy new year. Well, let's do what we can. If we have to travel, if we have to spend a little time or effort or energy, if we have to change the way we think, isn't it worth it to find the peace and joy we hope for the contentment that we long for, and the peace that we need. I think it can be a wonderful new year. Oh yeah, we'll have the coronavirus for a while, and we'll see the political infighting for a while, and we'll see the economic struggles that rises and falls. But we can live well through it, and we can live well in spite of it. And we can find good for our lives every single day. And I think that is a much happier way to be. And it's a more free way to be because we don't allow the bad things to rule our hearts, to rule our minds, or to destroy our lives. This makes us much more strong, confident, and courageous. It makes us confident about the quality of our lives, and nothing can take that away. Happiness, after all, comes from the inside, not from the outside. It's when we choose to be grateful. It's when we choose to be hopeful. It's when we see the love that is being given and we respond with the love of our hearts and the joy of our souls. And we share that together. 
Wouldn't that be a much happier life and a much happier new year? So this message is to help you to actually have that joy and to experience that. And I hope that you will. I hope that we get to do it together. That's what this podcast is all about. That's what Waystations Ministries is all about, helping us to find that joy and to live in that joy through everything that comes no matter what, because then we'll be well and we'll be happy every new year. God bless you. Have a great week. I look forward to being with you next time as we continue on this journey of life and faith and upwardly moving towards the best that can ever be. Take care. We'll see you next time. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.